John, we're counting down to the Super Bowl. And not only that, we have a ton of business stories to talk about. RSNs, Yes Networks, uh, direct-to-consumer, Pac-12, NASCAR. And we'll break down the NFC and AFC broadcast and try to create some magic. The wizard is still <laughs> wizardry, but right here, oh, we might have been down. That By the left, left shed, might have been down. And we're back. The Marshan Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. On the board, we have from Say It Ain't So Productions via Sports Business Journal, Chris Mason, all the drops. Those are all Mason's work. Uh, a little bit later, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, towards the end of the topics, Austin Karp from Sports Business Journal, ratings guru, uh, Karp's Corner. We'll get into the NFL ratings, NHL ratings, a little bit deeper, a little couple minute segment, not, not a long segment, but a couple minutes with Carp a little bit later. But John, let's start. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Let me lead us off. My who's up, Andrew, is Mike Pereira and Gene Sterator, who are the uh, official, uh, the NFL games rules analysts on, on the broadcast. And for my money, the NFL broadcasters have finally figured out how to use these officials in the booth. And in fact, I think I should add ESPN's John Perry, NBC's Terry McCauley. I mean, I've been watching football for 50 years, Andrew, and it's it's almost embarrassing to note how little I know about the actual rules. But here's Steratore in the fourth quarter after the refs gave the Chiefs an extra down. They're, they're gonna go for this. They're putting the offense back out there. There's 10 seconds on the clock. So they said they're going to put the play clock back to 10. So, oh, it's Jane, third down. Jane, Why did we have fourth down? Sort this out. <laughs> Listening to Ron Torbert, he said that the play was shut down. We may not have heard it here with the noise factor, yeah, but the play was shut down prior to that snap. The play runs completely out. And what, what Ron just <laughs> said is we're going to reset this. We're basically having a do-over here, guys. I mean, Stair Torch should get an Emmy just for interrupting uh, 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 Romo, I think, going there. But he came on very quickly and clearly explained what was going on. You could agree or disagree with the decision. It didn't matter, but he explained what was happening. Here's Pereira on a pivotal play that happened in the first quarter of the 49ers-Eagles game. Well, he's clearly going to the ground, Kevin. Ball hits the ground. He's got to maintain control, but you see him lose control there. Had that been challenged, it would have been overturned to an incomplete pass. That's why he said to hurry up and Philadelphia got to the line right away. And, 40, you know, there you go. They get away with it. That's a big play on a fourth down and three, by the way. Yeah. Again, simple, to the point, tells me something that I don't know. We've come a long way from Mike Carey, who was uh, CBS's first rules analyst and, and got killed in, in the press. Next up, though, let's get some stats geeks in, in the booth. I, 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 want to, I want them to explain why and when teams should go for it on fourth down or do a two-point conversion and to just sort of let me in on, on that logic as well. Right. Just they're going to have to expand their budgets at the broadcast networks. If, uh, according to John Horan, <laughs> get the stat guys in there. All right, my who's up, Joey Molinero. He is a comedian impersonator on Twitter, does shows, uh, and does a lot of people in the sports world from Nick Saban to Chris Collinsworth. Well, he put his attention to Tony Romo, uh, and I'm not going to play the whole thing he put on Twitter, but let's give you a taste of Joey Molinero impersonating Tony Romo doing a broadcast. 
got Allen, you got Mahomes, you got Burrow. I mean, Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Mahomes. And what Mahomes, oh, Allen, whoa. Josh Allen, whoa. So Kansas City's seen his foot, right? And then there's, he's reaching and he's, he, I mean, they, they get one foot, does he get two? Oh, does he reach? You see the ball? Oh. It's going to be close, Jim. Okay, he kind of hit it. That's he hit good. it pretty good. That was that, good. That is some good stuff from Molinero. Uh, kind of, he, he does a good job of just getting the intricacies of these impersonations. Uh, and uh, I thought he hit Romo pretty good on that, and it was pretty funny. We'll talk more Romo and Nance in a little bit, but that was my who's up, Joey Molinero. All right, let's go to who's down. I'm going to pick Chris Illich. Uh, he's the owner of the Detroit Tigers who play their games on Bally Sports Detroit. And he actually signed a rights deal with Bally Sports and Sinclair that just started last season, a multi-year deal. Well, he's going to go through some pain because Bally's parent, Diamond Sports, appears to be headed for bankruptcy. And that would be reason enough to worry. But what should concern the Tigers and the Indians and the Royals and a host of other teams that have Bally deals is that Diamond has not been able to come up with any kind of restructuring plan that MLB has said that it's going to support. And the fact that MLB remains a holdout in supporting any kind of plan increases the likelihood that this is going to be a real messy bankruptcy. Worst case scenario, these teams are going to have to forego rights payments for several years while everything's in bankruptcy. We're in the final stages of, of this whole story. Nobody has a firm grasp on how it plays out. And everybody that I talk to is terrified. All right, we're going to make that the second topic after we talk NFL, because uh, I want to get deeper into that. Uh, who's down for me? James Dolan. Now, you can put Jim Dolan on this list for a million reasons. Why he's on this week is just his poor performance, trying to explain why he's surveilling uh, people with video cameras when they come into Madison Square Garden. Uh, he went on Channel 5 locally in New York. Uh, then he went on WFAN. And he can't really articulate his points. Uh, that's one problem. Uh, number two is the, the idea that, you know, he made that there's people who are suing the garden. He's not letting, like, if you're from that law firm, he's not letting a lawyer who she was going with her daughter's Girl Scout troop into the garden. You know, they, they have surveillance to, to make sure that people can't come in. Uh, he's targeted media people before. Fans have complained on social media and he denied, you know, a lot of this stuff uh, in his interview, especially with FAN. Uh, but uh, the issue I, why he's who's down is, is he can't really kind of string his thoughts together. So they make sense. He did the channel five interview. Then he did the FAN interview and it just, it's not good. Um, and the other thing that he said, which I can understand, but it just doesn't work is that he said it's his he owns the garden and he owns the Knicks. He owns the Rangers. It's not a public trust. And I get what he's saying there, but he, at one point he made an analogy that with the lawyer situation, that if you had a bakery, if someone's suing you, would you let them in? Yeah, Jim, this is not a bakery. It's Madison Square Garden. There's only one place the Knicks and the Rangers and certain concerts happen. And it's Madison Square Garden. You happen to own it. And to 
deprive people from coming in when it's not really a personal thing here. You're making it personal. And then you'll say, oh, everyone in the media and everyone's making it personal. But you teach people how to treat you. And Jim Dolan and the garden, uh, you know, the, the reason they get so much um, negative attention is because they bring it upon themselves. You know, obviously, if you they don't win and that's been an issue, uh, but but just how it's run is really disappointing for all of New York uh, to, to watch and, and then see Jim Dolan last week. They don't win. The, the, the Knicks are in the playoff hunt right now, uh, uh, Andrew. And as you reported in, uh, in your newsletter on Monday, ratings are down 22, 22%. Is that what it was? Yeah, great source on that, 22%. Uh, the Garden, you know, and they're always secret. They wouldn't give up the ratings, uh, but, uh, but found out 22%. Um, after doing some digging and yeah, that's not a good number, especially for a team that's sort of in contention, not, not good news at the garden. And I don't know if they're direct, they're trying to, you know, my colleague, Josh Cosman reported uh, earlier this year that they're, they want to do direct to consumer in the second half of the Rangers next season. Um, I don't know if that's going so well. And I just, I think there's a lot of changes behind the scenes as well at the garden and MSG network. And so uh, not, not a good situation. All right, let's get into the topics. Andrew, my social feeds on Sunday, the complaints that I'm seeing about the Nance Romo uh, booth, uh, they seem to be increasing exponentially as the weeks wear on. Tell me what you saw. Yeah, I think, look, I'll start a little positive. I thought Tony Romo was a little better in the first quarter. Like, I thought he was a little calmer. I thought he was making good points. I thought his point about Patrick. Mahomes with his injury might be better. Like that's what we like about Tony Romo when he says stuff like that. Overall, it was awful. Okay. So good first awful. quarter. Overall, it was awful. I wrote about this in my newsletter the other day. The problem with Nance and Romo is there's the fundamentals are not there of the broadcast. They're not working together. That's a problem. Romo has a certain style. And I think that, look, it's his problems are on Tony Romo. Like you can't just blame Jim Nance. But I will tell you, if he had someone who he could bounce things off of and who could make some of the stuff Tony says uh, work, uh, it would probably be better. But the problem is Nance is about Nance. He's been like that for a long time. I mean, you see it in the post game when he does uh, he does the broadcast and then he's going down and doing the podium. Um, I don't understand why Tracy Wolfson or someone else can't do that. Um, that doesn't make sense to me. They have everyone there too, uh, but it's Nance all the time. Uh, and so that's number one. Number two is when you struggle as, you know, we, we heard about this. This was a narrative out of CBS when, when Romo was getting all the publicity. Um, and then you heard from Nance's side and, you know, people at CBS that Nance was the one creating Romo. And so the issue now is why isn't Nance helping Romo get to this next level? All that said, Tony Romo needs to uh, study more. He needs to be better prepared because as you move away from the sidelines and not studying tape, you need to do more work. And I know CBS is aware of this. They tried an intervention last off season, um, you know, in China and they, they knew they anticipated this. So that's a credit to them, people in charge there, but it has not gotten better and it's a problem. Almost reminds me of Tony Romo's on-field quarterback career. Here's a guy that had these great moments, and he also like almost gets so excited that he fumbles the uh, the snap for a go-ahead field goal. I mean, one of the reasons that people liked Tony Romo is that he was unconventional. He was just somebody who was different. He was a, a breath of fresh air. And I've said this before to you. 
among my friends, they still sort of view him that way. Here's a guy with childlike enthusiasm that is like talking over his announcer and he's displaying excite, appropriate excitement at the right times. But there's kind of a fine line in between unconventional and undisciplined. And he just does appear to be undisciplined at times. We've heard those stories about like, you know, just not being, not preparing enough for the te- for the uh, the telecast. So he he can talk about the quarterback position and he can talk about, you know, Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. But then it, once you get sort of beyond that, it, it falls a little bit flat. I will say this, the unconventional slash undisciplined a- aspect is what people still like about Tony Romo. I'm still, I, I'm seeing a lot more negativity on him on social media than I am in my uh, personal friend groups. Uh, uh, but like, you know, it, it almost has a feel right now of a Jason Witten where you just see week by week, you, it, it, it piles on and it starts to build up. We're going to talk about the ratings later with Austin Karp, uh, and they were tremendous for CBS, right? I think the best in four years. Uh, we'll go a little further than that a little bit later. But so the ratings are fine. The fear to me, if you're CBS and the leaders there, is that the broadcast lacks discipline. They're not on the same page. And so next year is a Super Bowl year. And when you have that situation, you can get away with it week seven, week nine, um, and even to some degree to the playoffs. Um, But when you get to the Super Bowl, you don't want the post game to be all about Tony Romo and Jim Nance. And that's an issue that CBS is going to have to try to figure out. Um, like I said, they tried last off season. They're aware of it. When I talk about the fundamentals of the broadcast, those things, it just, if you're not sound there, that's when it shows up. It shows up in big games. And when you're not working together, it shows up. Can you, can they get through it? Could next year's Super Bowl go fine? It could, but uh, this is a consistent issue um, with this crew. And you can just kind of, you can feel it that, and the, you know, the idea that they're getting along too, I don't think that's true. Um, I don't, you know, I, they can do interviews and say, we love each other. Uh, I know better, I think, um, in terms of what, what goes on. Um, and I don't think, I think that's an issue. And I don't know if they'll, uh, uh, they've got to figure out a way, but I, I don't know. I'm not saying there's no turning back, but uh it, they're in a difficult spot. Yeah, my, my final thing on, on this is I, I still think Romo, when you hear his voice, and I'm big on this, you hear his voice, it feels big, it feels special. Um, I think that he did have a couple of, of, of good calls in there. In, in, the, you know, in, in the fourth quarter, he had one about you know, the, the, the Bengals accepted a penalty that would have made it third and long in, in, instead, of, uh, in, instead of declining it, which would have made it fourth down. And he questioned that decision and they ended up turning it around. And I thought that was a, a pretty good moment late in the game for Tony Romo. But I thought that I, I, I view them right now, Andrew, as on a precipice. And, and that big game feel, you know, it, it, you're, you're not endowed with that for the rest of your career. I mean, you can lose that. If his calls become... Uh, fodder for comedians or lampooned, you know, he can, he can lose that stature pretty quickly. Yeah. Look, I'm not big on going with like friends texting me, but I did get friends texting me a lot saying that they've never turned off the sound in a game and they were. Uh, now that doesn't mean, I don't really like, I know. Wait, you hang on. Can I ask a question about your friends? Were they listening on mute or did they try to get the radio uh, at the same time? Uh, I just wrote ha back. I didn't really get it. <laughs> we need one of those friends as a big get. I'm dying to know this. I wrote ha back. I mean, 
I never believe when anybody tells me they put it on mute. But here's the thing. I, and and at, the, at the end of the day, uh, these things kind of can snowball. They snow, it, it, it snowballed in a great way at the beginning of Romo with Nats. Uh, now it's snowballing the other way. So can they change it? We'll have to see. All right, let's move to the other crew. Um, Fox, Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson. They are going to be a humongous story over the next two weeks. And then February 12th, uh, we're just around the corner. Uh, the big day, Burkhart and Olsen will be in that Super Bowl booth. John, your confidence level for Burkhart and Olsen going to the Super Bowl? It's very high. I actually spent Sunday in Philadelphia behind the scenes with uh, with that whole crew. And I was, I was in the truck for part of the game. You know, it was in the broadcast booth beforehand. And what I can tell you is that Olsen right now, what Romo had a couple of years ago, Olsen seems to have right now. He's a couple of years out of the league. He knows the players in the league. You should have seen him on the field before the game. Players were kind of coming up to him and that that he just has, you know, personal relationships with. He almost feels, has this like Pied Piper sort of uh, 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 ability to get people to just come and hang on his every word. And right now is translating to the booth. And I, and, and I, like, I, I could, I see a lot of room for growth, but um, uh, I think that they're going to be fine uh, going into uh, Arizona. Okay. Here's the thing that's really good for Greg Olson. Uh, Kevin Burkhart is a tremendous host of shows. I've said before, he might be the greatest sideline reporter of all time. Uh, Very subjective, but he was amazing at SNY with the Mets. And that's why he's like a folk hero in New York. Uh, Play by play. He's good. You know, I, I'm going to wait before I anoint him in that Joe Buck, Ian Eagle, Tariko, Michaels class, but he's good. I mean, he's good. But what he does a great job of, and Olsen is very lucky about this, is that he gives him a lot of room to work. If you notice at the end of plays, he'll, they, they are very prepared together, right? They, they, you could tell that they spend a lot of time getting on the same page, understanding the storylines, and Kevin will lead Greg to certain places where you want to go. And that is really helpful for, for an analyst. And that is sort of what you talk about. We talk about Nance and Romo. And you need to just be on that same page, talking about storylines, understanding each other, understanding where you want to go. And I think, and this is really, if you're Fox, uh, look, you're going to be a little nervous, right? You had Buck and Aikman. That's a five-star crew. Uh, and now you got uh, a rookie for the Super Bowl crew. So you're going to be a little nervous, I would think. But you have to feel a little confident is that they don't sound like they're working together for the, like the first year. It's the second year, of course. They're not, they don't sound like they don't know where they're going. They've only done, you know, maybe 35 to 40 games together, maybe a little bit more uh, around that number though. And they don't, they sound very confident together. And that's what, you know, you don't want to walk into a Super Bowl where you don't feel that confidence. And so, if I'm them, I think you feel pretty good about it. Uh, you know, I, I, they're very likable uh, combination, in my opinion. Of course, look, I'm social and everywhere. You're going to people who like them, people who don't like them. They're going to get that. And then the one thing, and this one kind of, you know, because of how dominant, you know, our legacy broadcasters of our childhood have been, the Al Michaels, the Bob Costas, uh, the Nances, in terms of really Marv, in terms of taking over like the big, even though Marv didn't do as many NBA finals as you think, um, taking over those big events. The idea that somebody doesn't have a big game voice or doesn't feel big, I think it's a little chicken and egg stuff, right? And I personally, like, I don't try to 
like obviously we're judging a lot, but I try to not totally judge. Not that this is that important. I'll not try to act like or we're that word or anything like that. But everyone, you we're know, I don't splitting want to say, atoms here, Andrew. the greatest ever, and then they're struggling a couple of years later, right? Like I don't want to do that. But I, I think that so far they've been pretty good. Like I think you have to feel like this has been pretty good. Is it Buck and Aikman yet? Maybe not. I mean, I think Olsen is different than what Aikman does. Um, and uh, but he's insightful. Like he knows what he's he, he knows the game. He knows what he's talking about. You know. Coaches, you know, grew up with a dad who was a football coach. You know, he just lives it. And, and you can tell he does the research. So uh, that's going to be a big story. We'll get more into that next week. A lot of big guests in Arizona where we're both in Phoenix for the Super Bowl. I think one of the reasons that I'm so optimistic uh, uh, about this is that it's a it's a freshman booth, as you said. Yep. But it's a veteran crew that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Richie Zions and uh, Rich Russo, the uh, producer and director who are in the in, in the truck. They've been doing this since the early 90s. Uh you know, have uh, Brad Zager, uh, Eric Shanks is, is a producer at heart. I mean, these are people that have decades of experience. And so while the booth is brand new, they can lean on people to know ex- that, that they've been through the Super Bowls before and they've been through these big, big games and they, they, they know how things run. All right, let's rip through these business stories. We got some good juicy stuff and then we'll get to carp and then we'll uh, say goodbye with a special tribute um, in our call of the week. Uh, all right, RSN bankruptcy. All right, let's kitchen table this. This is one of my favorite things to do. So what is this going to mean? I know we don't know exactly, all right? But what is it going to mean for teams? How many teams, let's just start with like baseball. Like how, many, how many teams will be impacted by this approximately? About 14, 13, 14 have, have deals with Bally Sports uh, Networks, which are now owned by Diamond Sports Group. You mentioned the Tigers earlier. Like, how much was that deal for? Do we know the money that? I don't know what the, what the money is, but it's typically, you know, uh, around thirty million dollars a year or, okay. or, or so. Uh, it, it and it's, you know, probably double what the Pistons would be making, and and certainly a lot more than than the uh, um, NHL team would be making. Which is why we're so focused on baseball here, as opposed to basketball and and hockey, even though it it, it does affect them as well. Now the. Tigers with the Illiches, they've always had a pretty good payroll, but these smaller markets, I mean, do you think it's really like they're using this money to make payroll? Is that going to be in in trouble or what are we, what are we foreseeing here if they don't get paid? Yeah. So if they don't get paid, the, a couple things can happen. All of a sudden, like the, the, the money that they're paying the players, you know, the, the, they're going to have to depend on, you know, just what they make at the gate and what they make from concession sales and what they make from merchandise sales. So this is taking out a, a, a big chunk of, of that revenue. But it's also think about like the director of marketing for a for a baseball team or, you know, uh, or, or, you know, somebody in communications or, or, or whatever. Those are jobs that could be um, in play here uh, to a certain extent. So the little guy is going to get affected by this probably. The RSN business has been such a great business for baseball and and basketball because it it just, they could write in 9% increases per year on a big number. And it just kind of happened that way. I mean, what what, what a great business that is. And now if baseball doesn't come to an agreement with uh, Diamond Sports Group going into bankruptcy, then it it could be what has been described to me as like a bankruptcy free fall. And if that happens, it's uh, it's chaos. And so the Diamond Sports is going to go in with the plan. And it's possible. Uh, th- this is a worst case scenario. Diamond Sports goes in with the plan. 
And baseball says, we don't like that plan and they're, and they're doing it with our, uh, on the back of our rights. And so it just becomes this real big mess where everybody ends up suing each other and, and bankruptcy court and all the rights end up getting tied up for two, three years, however, however long it takes to, to get through bankruptcy. So no uh, payments. Sources of mine say probably like two years or so. And so no payments then in those scenarios? Most likely no payments. I mean, they, they, would, they would end up getting that money back at some point because the RSNs would still be showing those games. But they're basically giving, you know, either a no interest or a low interest loan back to the RSN and getting nothing in return. They need the money right now. And, and, and they're not, a, most clubs don't operate to where they have a lot of profit and they can fall back on. All the money that gets made by these teams is in the value of the teams, which it's up to, you know, billions of dollars now. And then before, last thing for me on this one is like the NBA, from what I understand, if they do go into bankruptcy, they can take those rights back. The NBA can get their rights back. And that's uh, that, that is up for debate. Uh, I've heard that as well. And and when I say that's up to debate, that's another way of saying there will be lawyers. People will that there will be lawsuits over who owns those rights. Got it. And then baseball, same thing. Uh, same thing. Hockey, the same thing. You know, the thing is, we talk about the MLS Apple deal. Like, is that where like where's the alternative besides Bally and Diamond for these? uh for these comp for these teams if they want to put their games on is that where you know where, where where are we going with those direct to consumer can work yeah uh one of the things there's that, not as um, much money though uh exactly yeah i mean what, what what do you charge for that one of the things that um uh diamond sports uh, is, is trying to do is trying to get somebody to come in you know think of a comcast that just kind of comes in and and and, and buys the, the 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 whole thing and and does a direct to consumer and a cable and like every, everything all together um you know disney has been a company that charters a company that they, they've talked to the 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 uh, white knight would be like an apple that comes like marching in and, and picks that up but those are those are tough conversations because all of these all those companies see a really distressed asset in the in, in diamond sports and they they are worried about you know investing in something that they don't know as it bottom yet and then they sinclair got that for 10 billion when disney got it through fox right that was 10 billion i think mlb might have bid like nine billion. They might have lucked out. They didn't. MLB it. almost got it, but well, you know what? Maybe MLB would have would have run it differently if if the federal government had not made Disney sell those RSNs. Don't you think they would be in a better spot right oh, now? Yeah. Than, uh, so so it, it's entirely possible. But Sinclair bought it for you know let, let's say ten billion. They're worth like two billion now. That's eight billion in debt, and all those creditors are trying to, to make sure that they don't lose all that money that they've already invested in it. And that kind of goes in to uh, a story that you broke on a Monday, or was that Sunday night? Monday, Monday. Um, on NYP, Monday. I'll say I'm, it for you. NYP I'm a, TV Sports. I'm a devoted reader. I'm a devoted Monday reader. I don't know if it comes Sunday night. Six in the morning it comes out. Uh, the biggest of all independent RSNs with the biggest brand in all of baseball, uh, you learn, is looking into going direct to consumer this yeah. season. The Yankees opening day is their aim for the Yes Network to be a direct-to-consumer product. Um, you know, if they don't have everything lined up opening day, they'll push it back, but it's coming. If it doesn't, so opening day is at the end of March. Uh, the Giants come to Yankee Stadium to play Aaron Judge after he spurned the Giants. Uh, so uh, that's a big day. And yeah, I mean, they're they're doing this. It's just a matter of 
win this year, you know, unless they really have trouble technically or something, but there that's happening. Uh, they don't have a price uh, yet. You know, the uh, Nessin did it last year. They charged $30 uh, a month, which seemed kind of designed to keep people on cable to me, that higher starting point. Usually you start a little bit lower, get people in, then raise the price. Uh, they also, and this was kind of weird to me, they added eight tickets to Red Sox games at Fenway. So that kind of sweetened the deal, made people maybe want to do it. Um, but uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I do know the Yankees and yes are working with the, the uh, satellite and cable operators to, so it's a win-win for, for everybody. Uh, but, uh, but this is happening. So they're working with the satellite and cable cable operators, which is important because satellite and cable operators pay a lot of money to yes network for the exclusive rights to carry those Yankee games. So they need, they need to be involved in this process in, in order to make this work. Yeah. And here's the question. We talk about direct to consumer. And ESPN, we both kind of think in the next two years. Um, the question, though, you have to say, and I think like ESPN is different, but when you talk about the Yankees or the Mets or teams, like how many people out there who really want to see these games aren't getting them somehow right now? Now, there's disputes sometimes in, in certain markets with cable distribution systems or satellite, but then you could switch in most cases. Uh, but if you really want to watch these games, have you cut the cord or did you cut the cord and say, you know what, I'll catch a game here or there, and then I'll catch the playoffs uh, on Fox. I'll catch the World Series. I don't really need to have every Yankee or Met game. And that's a question I think you have to ask yourself. That's going to happen everywhere. These RSNs are going to have this type of product because that's where the, the world's going. But is there a business there? I know that. Yeah, that's what, what scares me about all direct to consumer from Amazon and Apple to, to some of these, is that it's not about the hardcore fan. The hardcore fan is gonna find these games and they're going to, uh, to, to watch them no matter what. But if I'm, a, if I'm a casual fan that really wants to see the Giants play the Yankees because Aaron, Aaron Judge spurned the Giants, he's with the Yankees, it's the first game of the season. This is a game that I wanna pay for. Is that gonna make me pay $30 for that month to see that one game? Like if I'm a cable subscriber, I'll just happen upon that game and then I won't come back for another maybe month, maybe a couple of weeks. And that is the, that is the fan that you're in danger of losing as you go totally uh, direct to, uh, to, to a consumer. And to, to, to be perfectly clear, none of these teams are talking about going totally direct to consumer. They're, they're all talking about doing it alongside the, the, the channel. But that's that's the one thing that I fear. Although MSG, I don't know. I think they're you know they're already off Comcast. I don't know what they're doing exactly. There, there's some problems over there. MSG Network, if they're looking more direct to consumer and not and not yeah, really who's down, them. who's down, <laughs> who's down. Andrew, I'm looking forward to bringing Austin Carp for Carp's Corner. First time that we've had him on. So a couple more topics. Uh, let's run through these. Pac-12. Where do you see them standing in terms of their media rights? Yeah, John, I, I don't think this is really going in the direction that's really good for the Pac-12. Uh, I just look at it, you know, I think Amazon has kind of been looked upon as its saving grace, and maybe they will be. But the thing about Amazon is it doesn't need tonnage, right? It doesn't need all the games now. And then if you give Amazon the top game, what does that do for exposure? You know, it's not, when if you're Amazon, you look at the Pac-12. It's not Thursday night football. It's not a standalone game, right? You have a million games on Saturday. And so where that Pac-12 is in on that uh, 
game tree each week depends. Sometimes they have good games, sometimes they don't, uh, but it's just one of many. And there is a difference. People are going to be more on linear and cable television for college football. Uh, you're going to find your team if you root for a certain university. So that's one issue. Then ESPN and Fox, uh, ESPN, I do believe, had some interest, uh, but I don't think it's a need at this point because they did the Big 12 deal. Uh, I think Fox, if they end up going with Fox, that would just be an exposure move. Like, I think Fox will do a very Fox-friendly deal. I don't think it's going to be big money. There's obviously some bad blood um, if you're the Pac-12 because uh, they, the Big 12, Big 10 uh, took UCLA and USC. Uh, and then, you know, could there be some wild cards, the Apples, NBC, CBS, Turner? Uh, I mean, I guess those are possible. Uh, I don't really see that. Uh, and especially where people kind of look at the economy. Uh, and so I don't think the Pac-12 is in necessarily a really strong position at the moment. Don't sleep on CBS. I, I still think that they they have an interest in getting a Pac-10 uh game that actually are they still a pack 10 or pack 12 i don't know pack 12 pack 12 all right pack, I don't have getting a pack 12 game with 10 10 universities 10 we try to stabilize we don't know how many teams are in the pack 12 <laughs> Go ahead. but yeah it to come out of their sec uh um uh window you know it's it's something that that, that they've shown an, an interest in but I, I i agree with you i'm just not hearing as much as I had been in big terms big of money uh, would CBS go big money or it's like this deal makes sense for us. It's a, it's a very, they want one package of games, one, one game a week. That's about it. Yeah. So it's an exposure deal. Right. And then Amazon, see, that's where you come into a problem though, because then ESPN's like, they don't want the secondary games. I mean, I guess maybe they could do the tonnage and put it on ESPN plus, um, you know, that probably makes some sense for them at some level uh, to, to get the, you know, the, you know, the second game of the week on down. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's a little bit complicated. I think they'll do okay. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be terrible, but I also think they got to watch. The Big 12 is sitting out there, uh, maybe ready to pounce. I think so. It's a um, complicated, uh, but but interesting uh, thing that we're going to keep our eye on with the Pac-12. All right, NASCAR, you had a little story the other day. Media rights. What do you see there? Yeah, I was uh, excited to do this story because, uh, you, you know, when you do these stories, Andrew, you always are looking for somebody saying like, yeah, we're not doing the deal. Uh, and this ended up being kind of a boring story because the networks like NASCAR, uh, they they think uh, even they, they think that uh, they see NASCAR as bringing a big number, a big viewership number for its cup races every Saturday. And you don't get that in a lot of places. So they don't have as many windows as like your traditional stick and ball sports. But the windows they have bring in a big number. So the networks like NASCAR. NASCAR likes the networks. So they're they're starting to negotiate. Uh, they're in an exclusive window uh, uh, right now. And uh, that ends on May 1st. It's probably and, and everybody expects deals to come, but probably by fall, maybe by late summer. Uh, NBC, Fox, almost certainly are going to renew. There's still a question about a third package, which might might go to a streamer. Because if you're NAS if you're NASCAR, and we had Steve Phelps on as a big get, and he said that he wanted an eight-year or a 10-year deal. Well, 10 years from now, how many homes is USA Network going to be in? Or how many homes is FS1 going to be in? So you got to start to look to, to these streamers as a, as, a, uh, as a growth mode. And that's sort of one of the ways that they're looking at it as well. All right, Andrew, let's go to uh, the next topic. Uh, this is a big get as far as I'm concerned. We have uh, Austin Karp, who is SBJ's ratings Guru, you want to know about TV ratings as it pertains to sports. Austin is the guy 
I go to. He's a guy that the business goes to. Austin, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I made it, Mom. Look at this. I'm on with John Oran, Andrew Marshan. This is it. This is big time. Well, you really you made it pregame of this pod because John was texting you and calling you, and you weren't returning his call. And then John two hours. A, yeah. two I had hours to big time John, of course. So John gave a. Do you know who I am? And it was clear he knew who you were. That's why he didn't respond to you, John. All right, John, I do know who you are, Austin. So I, I want to know this, okay? The, the NFL ratings, of course, are bonkers. Um, but can you just explain to everyone, when we look at the NFL ratings, CBS, best in four years. Uh, Fox had a very good number, even though they had a dud of a game with you know, 47 and a half million mm -hmm. people in the early window. How much, explain to me where out-of-home viewing has changed things. It's huge. I mean, it's added millions and millions of viewers since they started adding that in 2020. So yes, you look at what Bengals and Chiefs were able to deliver on CBS in that primetime window, best in four years for any championship game, dating back to Chiefs-Patriots, AFC title game. But it's not up by that much. So yes, it's that delivery of out of home, the incorporation of out of home that has now been added that has really driven these increases that are over those last couple of years. And it's huge. We talked about it for years about how bars and restaurants, you weren't getting those numbers. And that, that was huge for NFL in particular because there's such a gathering at bars and restaurants like that. It's just been big in terms of seeing those year-over-year -year increases. We're counting the out-of-home. Rank them, though. What are some of the other reasons why we're seeing, especially in the NFL, things are going so, uh, so well in terms of TV viewership? Well, it, there's no other competition in terms of entertainment programming and gathering those mass audiences. There's just, you're not really, you know, having one water cooler type of spot for that entertainment show anymore because there's just so much of it. The NFL is still the NFL and people are gathering on Sunday afternoons, Sunday nights, Monday nights to watch this sport and it's maintaining its dominance over sports and it, it's actually growing. You see that every year in the number of NFL games in that top 100 list over the, you know, all of television. When you look at Chiefs-Eagles, good matchup for Fox, bad matchup for Fox, what's your take in terms of going into the Super Bowl? I mean, give us a number if you have one. I don't know if you make predictions, but but just mm -hmm. give us a, a feeling of what the Fox should feel like with the Chiefs and Eagles. No, I think that I think they like it. I think Fox likes having Patrick Mahomes in this game. I think there's a storyline there with Jalen Hurts. I think there's a storyline there with the first Super Bowl to have two black starting quarterbacks. That's something that Fox can lean into. I think they're going to easily top over 100 million viewers. Um, I want to see if they get to around 110, but I think it's going to settle in somewhere between uh, 105 and 110 million viewers for the game. You know, if, if, it, if it stays close, nobody wants to see what they saw with 49ers-Eagles where one of the starters gets knocked out and you're into a backup situation. Nobody likes to see that in football. But I, if you're Fox, I think you're pleased with the matchup of Eagles and Chiefs. So you're over-under. We, we have uh, Andrew's brought me into it, the New York radio. Over-under? Did I do over, that right, under. Andrew? Yeah, pretty good. So let's say 105. What do you got? No, I think no, 107.4 million. Over-under. Respectably close game. I'm going over Okay. All right. Let's do NHL, John. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with Austin on that. Austin, uh, ratings across sports are going through the roof. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you mentioned out of home. Everything seems to be up. You just crunched the NFL, uh, the NHL numbers mm -hmm. uh, going into the all-star break, and they weren't pretty. No. Year two of this new media rights deal with primarily TNT and ESPN. The numbers are not good, down around 22% for the NHL headed into the All-Star game. So why? In this second year of that deal, they added a ton more linear TV games for TNT, for ESPN, and went up against some competition. 
you know, he had some Sunday games for the NHL. That's not going to perform well against the NFL. They knew that, but I think Gary Bettman and the crew at NHL headquarters really wanted to see more of a presence on linear TV in year two of this deal. And not all of those TNT games are available in the local markets. Some of them are reserved for the regional sports networks. So you had seven or eight games with some really marquee markets that were not, you weren't getting the number on the TNT broadcast. ESPN also down, but I think you're going to see maybe they have a chance to make up some ground in the back half. They have more ABC games on the back half of that schedule this year, something like 14 versus 9 that they had last year. So we'll see if the overall audience, you know, coming out of Bristol can improve in the back half with more ABC games. But down 22%, it sounds like if you're ESPN TNT, you're not overly concerned, even though 22% to me is a huge number. I think it's worrisome. I think down 22% for any property is worrisome, and you have to really get those marquee matchups. I think a lot of the problem for the NHL right now is you have some of your biggest stars playing either out west in U.S. markets, or it's like Connery David playing in Canada, or you have a lot of stars in Toronto, and you're not getting those markets factored into the U.S. numbers when you have that playing in Canada. They're just not factored into U.S. numbers. So I think that hurts the NHL a little bit when you have star power north of the border. Right, the first Carps corner. John, we're going to do like some more love alliteration. We'll love it. Is, it, we'll is corner with a K will... or corner with a C? Nobody puts baby in a corner. Oh, with a K. Okay, oh, good. okay, of course. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Thanks awesome. for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, a little dirty dancing from Mason. All right, like Just it. Mason. Very good. Very good. Bring it. <laughs> they ain't so productions. All right, let's do call of the week. Call of the week. Andrew, our call of the week, uh, we had to do Billy Packer, I mean, uh, who died last week, former uh, CBS uh, announcer. He did the NCAA tournament for as long as I can remember. Uh, he did it when I first started covering uh, the beat on Sports Business Journal. He ended up retiring from it. And he's as a long time, I mean, somebody, he's almost like Dick Vitale, somebody whose name just is, uh, you, you, think, uh, you think of Billy Packer and you just think of college basketball. And I, I kind of wish we had a J.J. Reddick on right now because I, I want to use this as our call of the week. Green, Blake, Wilcox. Blake knows exactly what's coming up. Coach Gay says, hold up. Oh, in a hurry. And Williams caught looking at his coach and Blake scores! Oh, my! Great job by Steve Blake. Anticipation. Sensational. Look at Blake's eyes when he saw Jason Williams turn his head and then takes it in on a tough layup against Jason Williams, who can sky sensational first half by Steve Blake. Go Terps. We got to get Jay Williams on and we got to play that clip for him. Oh, he's steal. What a great call. 2002. That was the year we won the national championship. Uh, so it was a, a good year. And Billy Packer, much like Dick Vitale, he loved Duke, so hearing him call that uh, play against Duke was uh, uh, made my it made my day. Yeah, Billy Packer also uh, was at NBC before he went to CBS. Legendary team with Al McGuire and Dick Enberg, and then had all those years with Nance on the NCA tournament. And so we send our condolences to his family and friends. Uh, and I know he touched a lot of lives in the broadcasting business. Uh, and he was a great player as well back in the day. Yeah, he was uh, Wake Forest. Absolutely. Very good player. Very good player. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, next week, we are at the Super Bowl. Got some big gets lined up that we're excited about. 
Um, so we'll bring that to you next week from Arizona uh, for this week. I want to thank Austin Carp, Chris Mason, AC Wyatt. Um, Carp's corner. We're gonna have to discuss is that quarterly. What? What? Do, how do we look at this? Um, we're gonna have to do the market research and see what people say. Uh, let us know in the comments. We're gonna do a want. Twitter poll coming out on that. Twitter yeah. poll. Do you want Carp's corner? Should be once a month, once a year, never again. We'll see. All right. So that's going to do it. If you can like us, if you can rate us, if you can comment, it really helps us. Thank you. Thanks for listening.